0: Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, Evelyn Akka founding lawyer of ACA Business Immigration Law. Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. Thank you so much for having me, Eli. I'm so excited. Awesome. And by the way, my name is Ale. (laughs) Okay, Ale. I I wasn't, see, I should
1: know better because nobody pronounces my last name, right? And you did perfectly. (laughs) Sorry about that.
0: (laughs) No problem at all. So tell me, what has your experience been being a Black woman lawyer in Canada, owning your own law firm? That is amazing.
1: Well, thanks for asking the question. It's pretty unique, I would say. I mean, already, you know, Canadians are, uh, we're diverse, but there are not a lot of us um, Black people. We're a very small percentage still of the overall population historically. And I moved to Canada when I was five. We immigrated from Ghana and West Africa. And when I grew up in the 70s and 80s, There was like just a handful of us in Vancouver. And so that, of course, translates into the numbers of people in law school. So when I was in law school at University of British Columbia Law School, there were five Black people out of like 600 students. So it just tells you that the the population in law is small. And it's been a unique experience having my own law firm for the last 13 years. There are not a lot of us, uh, at least when I started, but it's definitely increasing. And I feel like I've had a very well-rounded experience because I started at Big Law in Toronto on Bay Street, Global Law Firms, was a partner at what's now Denton's, started my firm when I had my children. That was the motivation to just
0: make a change. And what is it about having kids that made you decide to start your own firm?
1: Well, if you have children, you know. No, I was working... (laughs) 18 hours a day, six, seven days a week. It was just not a sustainable lifestyle for having a family. And I actually adopted my children on my own. At the time I was single and I was wanting to parent. And that was the route that I chose. And so my twins, I was going to have one and I got two. Then they just kind of give you these four days old babies and your life changes. And so I knew that was coming. And I knew that I could not be the parent I wanted to be and, you know, and continue working with the lack of flexibility that, you know, big firms usually um, don't have as much flexibility as if you're a small law firm.
0: So that's why. And Evelyn, you've had your firm now for quite some time. Have you seen changes in big law firms where they're recognizing they have to do things differently? Or are they still kind of continuing as they were when you were working with them?
1: You know what? I mean, I've been practicing for 24 years. And so 12, 13 has been on my own and the others were in Toronto on Bay Street and things are changing. I have to say that COVID definitely made some positive changes because lawyers tend to be, at least big law, they tend to be slower to make changes. And I think with COVID, I saw through a lot of my friends and colleagues at big firms that they were able to work from home, they're able to work remote, they're able to, they were able to use the technology they had to actually allow them to have the flexibility that they needed. So I think only with COVID have things really changed. Prior to that, they still practiced the same way. If you weren't in the office, you weren't seen
0: to be working. Well, hopefully things will stay that way and they won't kind of go back to the way they were before. We're That's what seeing. I hope. Me too. <laughs> we're seeing a lot of a lot of stepbacks around here too. Mm-hmm. But take us back to those, those first few days when you decided that okay, I'm gonna leave. Denton, and I'm going to start my own law firm. What was going through your head at that time?
1: Oh, my goodness. You know, one thing when you asked me initially um, about starting my own law firm or being black on Bay Street, that's a whole, there's a whole community of us that, you know, back in the 90s, 99, I started practicing. You know, there were so few of us, we'd see each other, we'd be like, hey, how are you? You know, uh, here's my number type of thing. And we mentored each other. But I think it was very much the sense of you could be an associate, but getting to partner was the next hurdle. And so I worked at E and Y, and then I worked at Gowling's, and then I worked at Fraser Milner Casgrain, which became Dentons here in Canada. And and that was my goal. I was like, I am not going to work this hard for so long and not reach that pinnacle, which of what most people would consider success. But at the same time. I was seeing that the partners were still living the lifestyle that I was living as a senior associate, and it didn't seem that much better. So I made partner, great, did that for a few years, but I didn't feel like it was all that it was cracked up to be. So when I was ready to make the change, I knew that I had been preparing for this. Um, Corporate immigration is very personal, you know, and that means that you get to have relationships with with your clients in a different way than when you're a corporate lawyer where you you might be sitting in a boardroom all the time with with minute books you know you don't talk to them with me whether it's the ceo of a global company or the company down the street you get to talk to that leader or that senior vp um, and you get to learn about them and so when i was looking to leave I knew that most of my clients would come with me. And I think something like 95% of them did because they only knew me. And I was the only one that they talked to. So even if they were leaving the rest of their business behind for corporate and litigation or whatever, I was their immigration counsel. And so I, it made me feel a little bit more confident than just opening the door with nothing. I had a good sized business
0: when I started. Fantastic. And that's that's exactly the best way to do it. I know a lot of attorneys that, have left big law firms to start their own and the ones that have had the most enjoyable experiences have typically brought their clients with them so that's that's wonderful to hear and then from when you started your firm to kind of now take us through the growth of your firm and how that experience has been for you
1: oh my goodness it has been interesting times i think entrepreneurship is definitely a roller coaster you know you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs in law you know and it was great i started it was just me and a paralegal And then I hired a second paralegal and then a legal assistant. You know, you kind of grow that way organically. And at one point, I think I had 15 employees before COVID. And one thing is, you know, you're making money and then you're realizing, I have so many people that my profit margin is declining. You know, (laughs) you start start to be like, am I working for them? Are they working for me? And, you know, it becomes a real analysis of something has to change. And although COVID was awful for my cross-border immigration practice because the borders were closed, it actually allowed me to pivot and to look at how I wanted to change the practice. So, you know, everybody was working from home except for me. I still came to my office because so close to my house and having that separation from my children who were at home going to school and, um, you know, I wanted to focus, but it allowed me to look at who I had and if they were superstars and if they weren't or if they self selected. So things changed in 2020, and I started hiring more remote team members because people wanted to work from home. That really allowed me to change how I practice and to look at not just revenue, but profitability, you know? And I think that was huge. And so now we probably have a team, and in the office, we only have five, and I'm still the only lawyer I've had associates. I've trained them, I've developed them, and then sometimes they go to my old law firms. That's something that when you're a small lawyer or law firm, it's the risk you take when you train junior lawyers. But we have now 17 employees, and five are physically in the office, one is in the US, and then I have a remote global team between Pakistan, India, Philippines, Kenya, Ghana, across Canada as well, remotely contractors. And so it really allowed me to look at who's a true employee and who's a contractor. And that has helped me tremendously because we declined during COVID significantly. And, you know, I couldn't do the work, the majority of the work that I do, which is helping executives and business people and professionals cross the border on both sides to come in and work. I was only dealing with those people with long-term immigration applications like permanent residents that would take a year and a half, two years. So they didn't need to get to the border. So this allowed me to stay in business. And I have to say COVID was challenging, but so many good things came out of it.
0: Yeah, there were a lot of silver linings. That came out of COVID for sure. And I'm glad that you got to experience some of those. Tell us, Evelyn, a little bit about your business immigration practice and how it differs from maybe like a standard business immigration practice in the U.S.
1: Well, thanks for the question. I usually call myself like an immigration unicorn, especially when I'm in group meetings that you and I are part of with um, Provisors is I do cross-border immigration. So I'm a Canadian immigration lawyer. I do all of the immigration into Canada for companies and families. And I don't do asylum work yet. We're talking about maybe adding that next year, refugee type of work litigation, I don't do that. My practice is all solicitors. And then I do Canadian immigration into the United States. Because we have the benefit of NAFTA, I am allowed to do applications for people going to the States, Canadians, that are processed right at the airport or the border. So that means we do work permits, we do investor applications, entries, we help people get into the U.S. to expand their businesses. And so we do intercompany transfers. All of those can be done right at the airport. And then that's what I love the most about my work is the immediate gratification, usually. of Oh, yeah, we got through five people today. Great. You know, I love it. And you're not waiting a year and a half at the consulate, right, even just to get your interview. So. It's what I do. It's what I love. And I love strategizing with business owners and corporations around what's their growth plan, what's their staffing needs, you know, plan, where are they looking to hire from and how can I help them make it happen as quickly as possible? We also work a lot with executive search recruiters because they are usually doing global searches. And once they find the person that their client wants, I become the person that makes it happen as quickly as possible. So our team works with those people as well.
0: Really cool. And um, it's kind of obvious, I guess, why you chose this specific niche, but you didn't have to. You could have been you know, a general business immigration attorney. So what was it about this cross-border immigration that you focus on that really appealed to you?
1: No, I think it's, as I said, I think it's the immediacy of returns, you know <laughs> i'm a, i'm I'm a naturally impatient person. i'm I love meeting people. I love talking to clients. I love the social aspect of hearing their stories, and they're so different and varied. Um, and I, I'm as an immigrant myself, you know, even at the age of five, I remember coming to Canada and meeting my dad for the first time. Like that was that's a very common experience if your parents left, And then they came back to get you. And so when I talk to clients, I really put myself in their shoes and I want to give them that experience of trying to smooth things for them, whether it's, oh, I live here I know the good schools, I know the good neighborhoods. You know, I'm always giving tips as much as I can. Having grown up in Vancouver, worked in Toronto and now live in Calgary. That's why we have those offices in those cities. It's because those are places that I know most people want to move to. And I want to give them more than just the immigration, but give them a real sense of what life's going to be like for them when they get to Canada. So, yeah, I mean, I love the cross-border because we make success happen quickly. But then we also do, as I said, the longer term, which is getting to citizenship after you become a permanent resident. And those take longer. So someone else, other people on my team do those because they take longer and you need to be somebody with a lot of patience to be able to um, finish the whole process. And then I'd love to meet clients when they arrive in Canada. If they're coming to a city that I'm in, I'd love to meet them and have that, you know, face-to-face opportunity.
0: Very cool. And I want to shift gears here real quick and talk about the contractors that you have. So
1: yeah. um, first off,
0: congratulations on managing so many employees. And thank you. Would love to hear a little bit about how you spend your time between managing your team and you know client work and everything else that you have to do to run a law firm. Secondly, how did you find these contractors all across the world? That is one of the big questions that comes up with my clients is they're looking to find really good contractors. And it's not easy to do.
1: It's not easy. I mean, it's not to say that I haven't had some false starts. I started, I heard about Upwork. I think it was my husband, used to be called something else. And and he had used them for some project. And he said, you know, he had a really good experience. And I was like, Upwork. But then also, you know, my friend Brett Tremblay started his company and it was that whole idea of get staffed up and trying to bring people into law firms to help lawyers. So I, you know, I was looking at those models and even Sandy Van, she's got a great model where she provides legal services to law firms. And so I just went on Upwork and I started posting everything I could possibly think of. So foreign lawyers that are in the common law type of of country because Canadian you know, law is common law, except for Quebec, which is civil. I started looking for people that had experience, who had education, who we spoke well. It's been a work in progress, I would say, for the last three years. My longest VA, or I, I call them team members, of course, because she is awesome, has been with me for almost three years. And she's now our remote team lead. So we started with one, then two, then three, then four, then it got to the point where I needed somebody to help manage them because obviously I couldn't, and to to onboard them, train them, manage them. And so that's what um, our remote team lead does. She's in the Philippines, but she manages all the remote team. And then about seven months ago, I hired an operations manager who's in um, Phoenix. So she's fabulous and she helps manage everything, everybody. So that means that I don't need to spend as much time. I got all the KPIs, I have my dashboard, I see every day who's in, who's not, what happened, whatever. And we're we slack all day long and we have huddles three times a week to check in and see each other and celebrate anniversaries, birthdays, all kinds of stuff. We do happy hour once a month where we eat or drink our favorite, our favorite beverage and food, and we just talk for an hour and a half and wear silly hats and do all kinds of stuff. So <laughs> You got to find ways to create the connections. And I talk to them by Zoom as well, like most days, rather than just email and Slack. And they're on our phone. So, you know, they answer our phones even. So we have two people in Pakistan who are lawyers who are wonderful on the phone. And one of the others is um, from the Philippines. And then that from that process all the way through our CRM, everybody from billing to, you know, I really outsource the men side. And the legal side is done in Canada. So that means our paralegals are here in Canada. Immigration consultants are regulated. So they're not lawyers, but they've gone to school and they've been licensed. And all they do is immigration work. And, you know, they have insurance and all the rest of it. So I've got a team of those that are on contract. So the legal work is done here. And so I usually I do review everything, but it goes through versions of drafts. And then when it gets to the final stage, I look at the final drafts and approve them or edit them further before they go out to our clients. So most of my day, honestly, is spent doing consultations, paid consultations, because I haven't yet found a way to replace myself yet, looking to hire two lawyers next year. And so I'm interviewing and trying to come down to the top two. And hopefully February, I'll have two associates in place. They'll be remote because they don't need to be in Calgary. And that's really changed how I practice.
0: So for those attorneys that would say to you, Evelyn, it's not possible to build a team on Zoom. You lose so much. We need to have everyone in the office to be productive. What would you say to that?
1: I would say I used to think that too. (laughs) (laughs) And I know you don't need to. I, I have to say, I tell everybody, you know, anything, like I have somebody who does my email all day long. I have so much email. That's his job. And I have somebody who does my calendar. That's her job. And they are EAs and they're offshore. So it's like you need to free yourself to focus on your highest value. I'm sure you tell your clients this all the time. I have a sticky here. It's like, are you doing the highest value work? And and that to me is doing paid consultations, coming up with solutions and options for our clients or our leads and converting them into full files and clients so that we can service them and give them the best service. And so if I was doing my calendaring, answering my phone, doing all my billing and everything else, I would never have time to grow my practice. And honestly, we've gone from our best year in 2019 to our worst year last year 2022 to our best year ever this year so i feel like going through the hurdles and the challenges of covid and the border challenges cuz in canada we were hardcore you know with with reason we were very very much closed um it's taught me a real sense of resilience and it's taught me to use the time when you're not as busy to build your systems and that's what we spent a lot of time doing last year all of our systems of operations, our KPI lists, our dashboard. We got a new CRM. We use LawMatics, which I love. And it was like building it, building it, building it, and using it. Um, Zapier, using it up the wazoo. So we use a lot of technology, but the hope is we keep that personal touch because we have so many more people who can call you once a month as you're in our process and say, how's the file going? How are things going with the person you're working with, your draft? And we have a client happiness coordinator who literally does that, just to make sure everyone's happy. If there's any concerns, they need to talk to me. We schedule it, um, keeping the personal touch while using as much technology as possible.
0: Well, that's what technology allows you to do, is it frees up your team so they can focus on value-added activities like client service. So one of the things that brought up in my mind is when you're thinking about technology and when you're thinking about growing a team, and now you've got. Associates coming in. And once they're in place, what do you see as your role at that point?
1: Oh my goodness. Well, I would love to operate at the CEO level and you know, um, not be in the day-to-day. And I've been working on that now that I have operations manager and she's fabulous. You know, she's doing a lot of the um the evaluations of the team. So I used to do every three months, six months, nine months. She's doing them all. I don't need to attend every client. We call them client engagement coordinators, our intake people. The three of them, they meet every day at a specific time to talk about the day, their leads, what they need. I don't do those calls maybe once every two weeks. So I'm pulling myself out of all these meetings that I was being pulled into because she's now replacing me. So my hope is I will be able to operate at the CEO level in the next year. I'm giving myself 12 months where I'm focusing on the visioning, the marketing, the business development, and the future planning of the firm and the growth, as opposed to the day-to-day nitty-gritty. That would be my dream. And I know we're almost there because I took my family. We went to Africa, went to Ghana to visit our extended family this summer for three weeks, and I did no work. And Congratulations. Everything. It was great. I, did, I literally did no work. And they took care. We prepared. We had your owners out of the office checklist, what to do. We we planned everything and they were incredible and I know it can be done. So my plan is to try to take like a six week break next year consecutively to test our systems. Because of course you learn when you do something like that, a few little things go off the rails or you realize that, oh, nobody but me can receive Interact payments. So how are we going to do that? Right. And so, but nothing fell off. The clients were happy. They worked really hard. And that's where I feel like I need to be heading in that direction.
0: Well, you're doing, sounds like you're doing so many things right, Evelyn. Congratulations. Love that you are taking time off. One of my clients, uh, she took two weeks and then four and then six. And she was just grinning from ear to ear when she got back from her six-week vacation. So good things are in store for you there. One of the things I wanted to touch on is this idea of adversity and adversity creating business excellence. And if we just take you as an example, you're a woman, uh, you're black, you started your law firm while you were raising kids. So this idea of work-life balance was not optional for you. It was a necessity. And you have spent a lot of time really building out the business aspects of your firm. Some of that was probably by choice, but I suspect some of that was also by necessity. And can you just talk a little bit about how adversity is really fueled The growth of your firm and your growth as a business owner
1: oh my goodness that's such a good question i think we all grow by dealing with adversity you know and it's about being resilient and one thing that i really love and have appreciated is the network of lawyers um, and other lawyer business owners that i've been able to create whether it's through facebook whether it's through coaching like working with your organization whether it's you know whatever going to workshops and seminars I have created a huge network of people doing what I'm doing. Either they are smaller or they're significantly larger. And so it's so nice to have those people. You can pick up the phone or call or text or send messages through Facebook and share your experiences and get that support. Because as you know, when you're a business owner, it's a lonely world. You know, um, there you can't talk to everybody about your, your cash flow challenges or whatever it is, but having That group of supportive um, law firm owners has really helped me. And the biggest thing it's helped me with is the importance of mindset, you know, and that's why I read constantly about business and trying to absorb everything I can is because if your mindset isn't right, your business is not going to be right. And so whether it's exercising, like during COVID, I had to get a a Peloton because I was losing it. You know, It was like home with the kids (laughs) and the husband and I was like... um, not seeing anybody and um, you got to find ways to take care of yourself. So by that, I mean, taking care of physically, emotionally, psychologically, you know, my husband and I did like this meditation class for like three months remotely on zoom during COVID. And it was like, just looking at self care. So mindset for me is what drives success. And I feel like as I improve my mindset, my firm gets better. The coaching I give my team, they get better. You know, our quarterly meetings and our weekly shares and our sharing successes allow them to see that what they're doing really matters and building out our core values where everybody can talk about what are our core values and how do we live them? You know, and so I feel like when you as a law firm owner are developing yourself, you are showing strength and resilience and also vulnerability. I've had to learn that because, yeah, I'm a Black woman and lots of challenges I've experienced from racism to sexism. And you don't want to wear that as like a chip on your shoulder. I think it's important to show vulnerability to your team. And when things have happened, whether, you know, you, you've lost somebody you care about and they've passed and you come to work and you're crying and they're like, whoa, they understand like you're not You're not made of steel and, you know, you don't wear the cape all the time. You feel just like they feel. And I think by sharing those challenges with them, there's a lot more room for empathy. And then your team can rise up to meet you. So at the end of the day, I feel like I'm certainly not perfect and there's a lot to learn, but I'm very much focused on becoming the best leader I can be, because I think that's what's going to help the firm be the best firm it can be. And yeah, I just I feel like when you have challenges, for me, it's always like, what's the lesson here? Whether I have to let somebody go or somebody leaves, I'm always thinking, what's the lesson here? How could I have done this better? What am I going to do differently next time? Um, You don't take it personally. If you make mistakes and my team knows we all make mistakes. So for me, it's always what's the next thing? What are we going to do to fix it? And that's the culture that we are really um, created. So nobody's worried about making mistakes because they know that's how we learn. And then we figure out something's wrong in our systems or our process. How do we fix it?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's
1: it's a very long answer, but (laughs) But
0: (laughs) but I I
1: just feel the importance of, you know, being resilient and dealing with challenges is a part of everyone's life. And I think if anything, since COVID, we've seen just how vulnerable people are and how life is so short and that your health is critical. And I feel like there's much more room for emotional um, supports, whether it's you need therapy or you should talk to therapists, everybody should, or reading books or finding ways for self-care. It's not now just an issue of, I'd like to do it when I have time. It's like, you got to do it. You got to do it. And so we encourage that in our team as well.
0: And it's become more accepted, too. It's not frowned upon or people don't look at you funny or anything like that. Um, Well, thank you for that response. And Evelyn, what are you looking forward to with ACA Business Immigration Law over the next year, year and a half?
1: I am looking forward to having at least two associates so I can remove myself from the day-to-day lawyering and focus on the CEO work. And I'm looking forward to adding a practice area or two. One of them would be the litigation side of immigration. And we're also looking at possibility of doing a little bit of wills and estates as it relates to new immigrants who usually come to Canada and they don't have any kind of estate plan. So those are the things I'm looking forward to.
0: Love it. And Evelyn, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: They can go onto our website, ecolaw.com. I'm on all social as well and reach out to us and contact us. And our team would love to talk to you and see if there's anything we can do to help you.
0: Thank you so much, Evelyn, for being on Lawyer Business Advantage today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful. I really appreciate it. It's
0: great chatting with you, everyone. That is Evelyn Aka, uh, founder of Aka Business Immigration Law. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen and I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Alej Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.